This is the I Love Success Podcast. I'm Peter Jumrukovsky, and I have made a vow to myself to help as many people as possible to achieve their dreams. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success Podcast. I'm super excited to have you guys here with me today. We're going to have an exciting show If this is the first time you're listening to the I Love Success podcast, welcome, welcome. The truth of the matter is this show is for you if you're looking to to do something with your life, to be proud of yourself, to go after your dreams and have fun doing it. I bring on some of the best guests in the world that are at the top of their level to share open-heartedly their success, their failures, and things that can help you in order to accomplish what you want. If I were you, I would have a notebook, a pen to make sure you take some notes because this is going to be a lit epic show. I have a, a new friend of mine on the show today, fellow real estate entrepreneur, podcast host, hiker, a biceps lover, you know, overall <laughs> a pretty cool guy. And I think you're going to enjoy this show today with Chris Bello. So Chris, welcome to the I Love Success podcast. Thank you, Peter. It's great to be here. And like I mentioned, when you were on my show, I just feel like we have a lot of similarities. And when I hear your story, I can see a lot of my story as well, minus the 30 years of karate. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take it back. This is all about you honoring your journey. Let's take it back to Chris Bello as a small, small kid growing up half Mexican, half Indian in the U.S., feeling misplaced and not knowing what the next steps are. Can you just share us a moment in your life when you felt that way and, and, and what happened after that? Yeah, so that's a great question. I guess I just never really felt 100% like I belonged. And it wasn't like I really noticed it because I made friends easily, but I guess you feel different, right? I guess you can hear when people say, I just felt like I was different. Other people's families were different. A lot of my friends, I grew up in Houston, Texas and Sugarland area. And, you know, friends had parents that were from Michigan and like went skiing every winter. And like, we never went skiing. We never went camping. My parents really never watched American football. So I just felt like who am I and, and what are my interests, right? You know, most of the friends growing up, they watched football every Sunday. They went to the Super Bowl sometimes or whatever. Yeah. They would go do camping and Boy Scouts and things like that. And I just felt like from an early age, I didn't know what do I, what am I passionate about? What do I even want to do? But it, it wasn't really like it was a challenge or anything or that big of a deal until I look back on it now when I realize like, okay, what did I do for the first few years? I I was always trying to fit in with the cool kids. Let me go hang out with the skateboarders. And they all grew their hair long and my hair was kind of like an Afro. So I felt like I couldn't even blend in there too, right? (laughs) But you can create your own path later on. That's what I'm realizing now is who I was doesn't have to necessarily be who I am now. I can recreate my character in my life to be someone different. And how, how did that look like for you to recreating your path? Like what, 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 how did that look like? I would say that it wasn't even until a few years ago when I started to get into entrepreneurship, I quit my job. I had a, you know, suit and tie type thing for the interview. And then I'd wear a button down shirt to work every day. And 
I just saw myself not really fitting in there for a very long time. You know, I felt like I was still faking it, still trying to fit in to tie into what I was saying when I was a kid, like I didn't belong there. And to recreate myself, it all started with quitting my job in 2017. I kind of quit without a backup plan. You know, I said, well, I'm early. I'm I'm young. Gary Vee always talks about you can always get another job if it doesn't work out. So that's what I did. And it really set me on this trajectory of growth and self-development and starting a podcast, you know, connecting with entrepreneurs such as yourself and just realizing that the more I learn, the more I realize that I don't know. In terms of recreating myself, I started to do things differently. You know, a year ago, I moved from Houston to Denver and I, I didn't know anybody here. So now I'm really experimenting with everybody that I meet here doesn't know the past Chris. They don't know the Afro Chris trying to hang out with kids in middle school and do BMX and stuff. They just see this disciplined guy who goes on runs with his German shepherd and you know, I'm kind of growing a little bit of a mohawk. You can't really see it, but I'm, I'm really trying to experiment and really recreate who is it that I want to be and what is it that I want to do on this world? I know I'm, I'm making impact. I'm growing. I'm learning. I do a morning routine. I'm up at six every day, but what else is it that I want to bring to the world? And like we talked about when you were on my show, it's a lot of journaling and self-reflection and realizing that whatever I pick doesn't have to be what I commit to for my whole life. I can always spend a few years on this one thing and then change or develop a new skill altogether if I decide to do that. So what was the job that you quit and how, how long did it take you to make that decision that, hey, I, I'm, I'm done? So the timeline, I graduated from university 2013. I had gotten this job lined up in July of 2013. Yeah. So I had a few year, a uh, few months off before starting and I started reading books, you know, Millionaire Next Door, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, all the books that I had on my shelf that I never read, I finally had time and I felt like, okay, I got the job lined up, I can relax, I can read a little bit. Um, And so as I got into that, I thought that that was what I wanted to do. I was so excited to start. I remember going into the office and being excited for orientation, for training. What, What job was it? It was an oil and gas job, uh, corporate America, you know, working for like a service provider. There's like Schlumberger, Baker Hughes, Halliburton. I was working at a Baker Hughes um, and and the customers for that company are like Shell. All the gas stations you see, our company was the one that like drills the wells and and provides those tools for those types of companies. Um, So it was a huge company, like 50,000 employees globally, right? 700 people at my location where it felt like you were going to a campus. There's three buildings and a thousand cars in the parking lot or something like that. And it just felt like, I don't know, maybe like a a daycare in a way, but like a grown-up daycare where everyone's going, you know, you go to work, you're there all day, you leave at a certain time and it got very monotonous. And to answer your question, it was about three and a half years in when I was just like, man, I see the stuff on people's offices, right? 20 years of service. I'm like, I'm only in three and a half years. Like I I can't see myself being here for 20 (laughs) years or 30 years. Like, how am I going to do it? When am I going to get to retire? Yeah. And that's when I started coming across podcasts where I was like, you know what? There's another way. There are people out there who are creating their own path and they're creating podcasts and they're doing whatever they want, adding value, contributing to the world, not just one specific company. I can try that too. So the excitement kind of wore off pretty quickly, but I was able to suppress it for a few years And then I finally decided, okay, I just, I couldn't see myself doing it anymore. 
how was that day? Like, how did you give notice and how, how, how did that feel for you? Oh, that's a good question. So the story that I share, and I, I feel bad because if the manager ever listens to any of the podcasts that I ever do, she's going to know that I'm talking about her, but I really do believe that she, she kind of knows if she looks back on what it is she did and how she behaved, it was kind of not, a, not that it was inappropriate, but it was just a little over the top. But I landed in a position where I had a manager who was an extreme micromanager, just, oh, you showed up five minutes late. I know you have a one hour commute, but like you were 10 minutes late to work. You're still going to leave at the same time, that kind of stuff. And I just remember these little remarks would build up and I'd be like, oh my gosh, am I in kindergarten? I remember kindergarten signing out to use the restroom. That's how it started to feel. And the entrepreneurship podcast I was listening to wasn't helping either because they're all talking about you can be paid in proportion to the value you add, not the amount of time that your butt is in the chair. So it was those moments that would just, ah, these little things would rub me the wrong way. And finally, when she made a comment, I was leaving at the same time I leave every day. She made a comment like, oh, I saw you were, you, you came in a little bit late today. Um, you're still, you're still going to leave on time. Like, shouldn't you stay 10 more minutes? And I like looked at the guy behind me and I'm just like, I didn't say anything. I still left. And I texted him like, seriously, am I, am I being micromanaged? Do I have to sign out to use the restroom? Like, is my work not good enough to allow me to come in five or five minutes or so late every now and then with traffic and a one hour commute in Houston? Well, a lot of driving. So that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back in a way where I just said, I, I just can't do this. And, you know, <sighs> I started planning my escape. Yeah. booking flights for a trip that I was going to take. I had savings now. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Asia for a month and I'm going to plan out my whole trip. And I walked in and I told her, and she was like, you're, you're putting in your two weeks like today. And I'm like, yeah, like I, I have other things that I want to do. And I just realized this may not be the best. This may not be the best fit for me right now. And I don't know if I can fully contribute. So I put it on myself as an, I don't feel like I'm carrying my weight for the team. You guys deserve better. It was like that kind of breakup, you know? And uh, how, how do you feel walking out of that place? Oh, it felt great. The last two weeks, I remember once you put in your two weeks for anyone who's familiar with it, it's just handing things off. You're really showing up for the last two weeks to teach other people what you were working on. Hey, this is the system I was doing or the report I was running. I was finalizing details for my trip to Asia. I went to Japan and Thailand and Cambodia, all these really cool places. And you're just saying goodbye to everyone. Like I mentioned, it's a big office and I had made friends with everyone in the cubicles around me. So it was just saying goodbye. And they're asking, what are you going to do next, Chris? And how are we going to keep in touch? And I had an invention idea I was working on and I sent everyone to the landing page to capture their information that, that idea ended up failing, but it was my first attempt into entrepreneurship. But I remember feeling high, like, I'm so excited for something new. I'm so excited to not have to come back to this place. And of course, just to try, try new things and, and grow and become a millionaire entrepreneur in two months, which didn't happen, by the way. <laughs> cubicle, cubicle, that word just gave me oh, anxiety. Yeah. Cubicle, it's like a jail cell. <laughs> uh, so... We talked about this when I was on your show, but here you are, you like, you're giving yourself notice. Now you're traveling, like you're starting to explore different ideas, different options. Yep. Uh, that's a, a really freeing feeling, but also scary, right? Because there, now there's no sense of security. 
So, so can, you just, can you just talk a little bit uh, how you dealt with that and, and, and how, how you would recommend other people in the same position to deal with that? Yeah, great question. So I, I will say, I feel like I maybe got a little optimistic. I'm, I'm pretty delusionally optimistic. A lot of entrepreneurs are, but I figure, you know, I'm smart. I've got $60,000 in savings. I'm good. You know, I can relax a little bit. I'll figure things out. I went to college, you know, I worked here for this company. So I was a little bit overly optimistic thinking that whatever I did was going to be successful very quickly, um, which was obviously incorrect. I didn't realize like, wow, it's really hard to make like $5 outside of a paycheck when you're trying to do entrepreneurial things at first. Yeah. But I would say the optimism and just knowing that what's the worst that can happen things don't work out. I get another job in six months. That was in the back of my mind. And for anyone who's on the fence or who is scared or worried about the uncertainty or what's going to happen when I stop getting paychecks, the advice that I've heard before that I didn't take myself, I should have, but you know, hindsight's 2020 is if you can build something on the side that starts to support you and at least cover your expenses, when you quit your job, you don't have to worry about it because you're bringing in some income. Yeah. I don't really recommend doing what I did for if you're, if you don't like risk and you just stop getting paychecks altogether, it can be stressful because you just see your savings are going down. You're not sure how to make money. You're trying ideas. You're spending money on Facebook ads and random courses and funnels and things that you're trying to sell. That was the case for me, but I just had faith in the process. You know, it's going to work out. I'm going to learn this is my tuition. The money that I waste on Facebook ads is my tuition. The yeah. ideas that I try that aren't working, that's my tuition if I want to get to that next level of the best version of myself. So for whoever's afraid, just know that you can always get a job if that's what you're afraid of is losing your income. It's not like you quit and you never go back. You can explain the gap on your resume. Yeah. And it, I think it, I think being hired is a false sense of security because it's true. I don't think it's as security because you can still be fired. fired. Off. You know, things can happen. So uh, like being in, being in your own control is, it might be a little bit harder, but it's also, you know, freeing in a way. So yeah. how did you start your podcast and why did you decide to do that? Yeah. So in terms of the timeline, I had quit my job in March or April of 2017. And I started the podcast in October of that year. So I had tried a few things like I had alluded to. I had an invention idea with a friend and I was just spending too much money. What was the invention? You got to tell us what it was. Yeah. So the website's not even live. I saw the thing and I'm like, I'm not even going to pay to renew this anymore because I'm already doing different things. But it was like, if you look up Flexthetics, it's called on YouTube. There's probably the channel with the video, but it it looks like a shaker bottle in a way, but it's a supplement organizer where you can turn the lid and you have access to different compartments for different powders. I'm big on working out and there's a lot of powders usually like pre-workout, post-workout, BCAAs, right? So that was just a device to hold all your different powders and help you carry it with you and have it throughout the day to take all the different supplements and vitamins and things like that. Yeah. And I didn't realize how expensive it is to bring a physical product to life. So by the time we had talked to the attorney, filed a patent, tried to get the injection molds manufactured. My partner and I, my friend and I, we spent about $35,000 each. And I said I had 60,000 saved up. So yeah, it was, (laughs) the money was going out fast and we ended up running into some issues. And I finally just said like, man, I, I don't know how much money I can keep spending on this thing if it's not even producing the products. And then even if we were to get a big order, we don't have the capital to really 
pay for the, the manufacturing to then go, you know, deliver and fulfill on it. So I guess that kind of ties into being too optimistic, like, oh, it's going to work. There's not going to be any issues. Yeah. Uh, there were issues. It took a lot of money and time. And I'm just like, ah, I'm going to pull the plug for now. So we have a patent on it at least, but I mean, the That's injection cool. molds are sitting in the <laughs> warehouse. But the podcast started in October 2017. So can I just stop there? Because I want to, I want to, I want to break this down a little because I think this is amazing. And I think this is what it's people need to understand. You know, once you decide to quit, you might have to fail a little, a couple of times before you start, you know, evolving. Yeah. And that's just part of the process. So it's not that journey you quit, then you, you, you tell everybody F you, and then you go out in the world and you're super and you successful. It. It, nope. That's not how it could be, but not for everyone. So how did you, before we go into the podcast, because this was a great, great lesson, how did you decide to pull the plug? And most importantly, how did that feel in that moment? And how can, what can you learn from that? So that was definitely my first real taste of failure of trying something. You know, when you're, when you want to put something out there, I think a lot of people in the audience can likely relate if, if they've ever tried to launch anything or create something or make a YouTube channel, anything at all especially your first idea, you're so excited about it. You feel like this is going to work. This is a great idea. I'm not going to tell anyone about it until I get all the intellectual property squared away. And you fall on your face and you realize like, man, I've been posting about this to everyone. I've been telling everyone this is going to work. I had just met my fiance, my, my then girlfriend. I had met her literally in February, a month before I quit my job. And I was being all successful in a, in a way, like I'm going to create this product with my friend and we're going to be successful. And I was, promising level her, high. <laughs> yeah, I was promising her all these things and I quit the job. And then literally, you know, that year, like, okay, I blew through most of my savings where we don't have a product we can sell. I promised this girl, all these things and amazing vacations and stuff that like now I don't have the money for. So it felt it was my first humbling experience where I realized, okay, this is a lot harder than I thought. I, I still see the videos of me trying to sell things and go to garage sales, like Gary V says, and buy it and sell it and make 20 bucks here and there. And I'm just like, man, I was hustling so much and I wasn't even making, it, it didn't seem like I was making progress, but I was learning. I was growing. I built websites, like all those little things while I failed, the big failure was losing my money and kind of giving up on that and pulling the plug. I really was failing forward and learning along the way. But to answer the question of when did I know to pull the plug, that was the problem is that I hadn't really set the def definition for myself. And I think it was when I was talking to somebody about it and they said, do you have a number in mind? Like, are you going to stop after you spend a certain amount of money? And I didn't really have that, but eventually it started getting that pit in my stomach where it just felt like, one challenge after another, and then that problem's going to cost $2,000 to fix. That's when I finally told my friend, like, hey, maybe we should just put this on the back burner for now because it's clearly not going to be making us any money anytime soon. And I don't have endless resources. We don't, we're not like a funded startup. I don't have rich parents, you know? It was just my savings from the last few years. But um, yeah, it was very humbling. I felt, I remember feeling pretty shitty about it because I'm like, man, this girl is going to think I'm a failure. I might have to go back and get a job because we tie our worth a lot of times to how much we're producing. How much money am I making? How successful am I? Do I have a Rolex? And I didn't have any of those things. So what happened after that? So after that, after the product idea or? After that was 
you know, you were done with that. You know, money is yeah. out. You decided to, you know, pull the plug for now. What, what happens after that? Like day after, like even the day after, like when you realize you're pulling the plug, what happens the day after that? Man, so it was a lot going on. You know, I was trying too many things. You, every entrepreneur who just starts off is trying 15 things at once and no wonder none of them are working. I was trying to create a course and sell it. And I had a book on Amazon and I was um, flipping things from garage sales and trying to do this product at the same time. But when I pulled the plug on that, I realized, okay, nothing's really making me money. To be honest, I kind of had a freak out moment where I started doubting myself a lot because I had failed. You know, I lost so much money. And you think about how long it took you to make that money. And I'm like, damn, what if I had just bought a real estate investment or something or like put this into Bitcoin? You know, there's so many better investments you could have made, Chris. So I was getting down on myself. And I had freaked out a bit and I actually started applying for jobs again because I'm like, well, I need some source of income. And how many months out are we now from from you quit your job? So the podcast, I think I had actually I don't even remember because I took it off LinkedIn. It's funny. I had gotten this job. I think I quit my job in March or April of 2017, started freaking out and I got a job maybe in October or November of the same year while I started the podcast. Oh, so you did get a job at that time. I did, but here's the kicker. I got fired in four months because I was working on my business on company time. I'm using air quotes. I had started the podcast. I was creating blog posts. I had a taste of the idea of entrepreneurship, right? So I thought I needed this job. And as soon as I got back in there, two weeks in, I'm like, damn it. I'm in the same position where I don't want to be here. We're talking about things I'm not interested in. Um, and it was just interesting because like the, the boss was asking me, I remember she was asking me if everything was okay. Cause yeah. she could just see, I was looking out the window and I looked distant and I looked like worried because in my mind, I'm thinking about, man, we got these molds coming from China. I got to write a check for $30,000, you know, like all of this was happening simultaneously. I kind of actually, now that I think about it, it's been a few years. So my, my memory is a little rusty. I had almost gotten the job because I had to fund this invention idea, right? I had to write the check for 30 grand and I wasn't making money. Um, So yeah, I I don't even really talk about that job very much because when I had gotten fired, it lit the fire under my ass to be like, all right, Chris, we're not going to do stuff we don't want to do anymore. We're going to pivot entirely. We're going to reinvent ourselves, right? Who do we want to be? Who do I want to be? And that's powerful. We're not going to do stuff we don't want anymore. Exactly. That's that's like drawing a line in the sand. That was it. It was the switch that I needed because getting fired, I'm like, I was, I remember sitting there when they were firing me and I just kind of had like a smile on my face. I'm like, damn, all right. I got fired from a job. I've never gotten fired. I've always been a good student honor roll, all these things, you know, not all A's, but it was the fire under my ass. And I flipped the switch and said, no more. I'm not going to do stuff that I'm not interested in. I couldn't imagine seeing myself doing this for my entire life. Why would I even apply for two years? If that's the case, right? If I can't see myself doing it forever, why even do it a single day? Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting that a lot of times in life we have those, when, when the big change is coming is when you have to draw a line in the sand and say no more. Yeah. And a lot of times we got to feel that pain. You got to sting a little bit, you know, and, uh, yeah. So what happens after this? Man, so it's funny reliving this because I remember I got home, fiance got home, and I usually got home after her. I'd get home late. She's like, You're already home? And 
<laughs> I look at her and I'm like, so I got fired. <laughs> and I was embarrassed because I'm like, man, I'm not really making money. I try to get this job. I didn't like it. But she was supportive. She could have left me at any time, right? When she met me, I was at my high. I was super confident, had 60,000 saved up. Great job, college degree. And now I'm here with like some credit card debt and I just got fired from a job yeah. and I'm trying to be this entrepreneur and I have a podcast. So the imposter syndrome was so real because I'm here recording episodes on how to start a side hustle, how to create a business when everything is failing in my life, right? I'm spending all my money. I had a business partner rip me off and owe me $10,000. And it just, it was just so much that I had that incongruence, but it helped me pivot because I said, okay, no more, right? I drew the line in the sand. What do I actually want to do? And real estate had been one of those things that I had thought about, but I, I didn't have the education and I've never done it before. And I had the sunk cost fallacy. A lot of people have that. I studied supply chain. I worked in supply chain. I'd spent like six years doing supply chain stuff. And part of me imagined that I had to continue doing that because that was what was on my resume. Who was I to switch into real estate? I have no experience. I have to start over. But the line in the sand helped me just say, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to have to be a beginner again. Let me find a team to join and I'm going to become an expert at this. And uh, how, how has your experience been so far working in real estate? You've been doing this now for almost three years, right? Yeah, for a few years. So 2018 is where I actually joined... I kind of thought of doing this on my own. If you've heard of real estate wholesaling, you know, you watch a YouTube video, everyone's like, you can make 10 grand in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched several of those, Max Maxwell, all these different things, bigger pockets. And as I, as we, as you learn more, you realize how little you really know. And as I started to learn more, I started to get more confused and unsure. And I don't want to get sued and I don't want to get in trouble. So yes. I found mentors. I kind of put my tail between my legs. I didn't want to work for anyone, but I did join a wholesaling team, which is investment real estate. And I spent a year there. They're a really cool environment, you know, eight person company. The owners were like 32 or 33 and they had Grant Cardone motivational posters all over the wall. Right. So I was like, this is, I, I like this. This is the stuff that I already listened to. I feel way more at home here than in the oil and gas. Like let's talk about engineering parts on these tools that you don't even, you'll never use. Right. I didn't have any interest in that. So that's where I joined a team and I started to learn. And a year later, I got my real estate license once I had my feet wet and I had the networking skills and connections to kind of launch into pretty quick momentum. Awesome. So um, let's talk about, I want to focus a little bit on what you learn on, on your podcast and meeting with incredible people, you know, just yeah. starting a show. Uh, what has been some of the, the biggest lessons you've, you've learned so far? Man, so being able to talk to so many successful people, I feel like it's given me an edge over the competition because most people don't have access to so many smart people so often. And it's almost like we can get a coaching session, right? I've talked to some people like Dean Graziosi. I know you mentioned uh, Dan Locke earlier. I had Dan Locke on the show. I've had you know Dan Fleischman, um, some pretty big names. And to pay these people for coaching for an hour oftentimes is like $2,000 or $5,000. A lot of them are very hard to access. You don't just get to call up good old Dean Graziosi and say, Hey, can I pick your brain for an hour? No. I mean, maybe if you pay me $10,000 for a lot of these people at that level, whereas the podcast, 
because you have a platform and you're giving them access to your audience, they'll give you an hour of time, quote unquote, for free, because they know that they're going to get some people into their funnels and buying their books and listening to their content as well. So I know you mentioned this when you're on my show too, you just get to ask any questions you want. It's like a free coaching session where I'm like, okay, what questions do I have for this guy? What do they know that I need to know or that I'd like to know? Because you've got their years of experience. And instead of where you're listening to a podcast and you're like, man, I wish I could ask this question, but I'm just listening. You actually can ask the question and they're going to answer. That's been the biggest takeaway for me is you can get any information you like. And what's, what's the best question that you usually ask your guests? This question is something that I'm working on asking more, but I've heard it on a few podcasts. And so I kind of stole it from those, but it says, what's one thing that I forgot to ask you that I should have? Because a lot of times we don't know what we don't know, and we may not know the question to ask them. Like they may have a really cool piece of information and we just never asked that question. So whenever you ask, what's something that I should have asked you that I didn't? then they'll tell you that nugget of information that you're like, dang, I didn't even think to ask that, but that's like the best takeaway of the show. Like, I'm going to write that down, right? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm writing this down. (laughs) I see you're like typing over there. Yeah. It's a a really good one. (laughs) What else? What else? What else have I learned from all the podcasts? No, what other, what other question you like? So, so that's been my favorite question. I know there's always those standard questions like interview questions that you'd hear at a job, right? Tell me about a time you struggled and you overcame it. And a lot of times people have pretty good answers to that. But the one about the one that I just told you is probably my favorite. And I know that I actually, if I'm being honest, self-awareness, I know I need to work on my interviewing skills. And I had a comment or I had a review recently saying that I always bring it back to myself instead of talking about the guests. So I'm like, okay, Chris, ask them questions, stop telling your story. This is their, their interview on your show. Um, But really I try to have a conversation. So I don't have a set list of questions. I don't ask like a certain question at the end of the show. I want to get to know that person, right? Like when you're on my show, I want to know Peter, I want to know how you grew up and and you're asking way better questions than I did. (laughs) So I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Chris. I think uh, like thinking of this, like what you said, bringing back to myself, that's something that I have done a lot. I do it all the time. And and, and I'm getting better at that now and just shutting up and listening. And, And I think the reason why I did it was that I wanted to reinforce that yeah, I understand. belong in the room. That's like yes. honest, like because I wanted the validation that I know my shit. And yes. that I don't know if that's your case, but that was the case for me. And 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 I'm I'm working on that to constantly just like, okay, let let this not be about me. <laughs> I totally feel you. It's just funny because sometimes it takes a review. And the person gave me four stars out of five. Yeah. So I do appreciate like I, I would be upset if they gave me one star and said I was just you know, the worst podcaster ever. And it wasn't valid feedback, but this was actual true constructive criticism. And I think it's very helpful. The hum- the humbling moments of life, right? When I fell on my face with my invention idea, when I got that four-star review telling me Chris always talks about himself, these are lessons so that we can be self-aware and we catch ourselves where I'm like, even now I'm like, stop doing that, Chris. Stop, <laughs> stop bringing it back to yourself. Focus on the question. Um, but, but yeah, to answer the question on, um, on all of the different questions, I just try to have a conversation and connect. That's how I am with, with everybody. And oftentimes it's like, you can get a good energy, right? We have a good vibe. I feel like, you know, next time you're in town, hit me up. We're going to hang out and have an awesome time type of thing. So it's not like I had to ask you one question 
for yeah. this interview to be amazing because I'm enjoying it. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Uh, we have about 10 more minutes and I want to provide as much value as possible. So I want to get into like one thing that I've uh, had a lot of interest in is how I set up my, like my goal setting, my scorecard for yeah. the week. And I know you have a scorecard. So could you just for like three or four minutes, just share like, how, what is your goal setting scorecard? How does it work and how does it help you? Yeah, I love that you also have the scorecard. I mean, I was super excited when I heard that. So I think the differences between our scorecards, if I remember correctly, you were aiming to get 100 points in a week. And it's just a little bit different of a metric. I am trying to get five points a day. This was really inspired by Andy Frisella, the power list, if you're familiar with that. You either win the day or you lose the day. If you get all five things, you win. If you don't get all five, if you even only get four, you still lose the day because you have to continue to move forward and knock off everything on your list. So I got some inspiration from that thing that he calls the power list. And I started doing five points a day for various activities that I feel are important for where I am and where I want to go. So I measure things like executed contract in real estate, which obviously I can't always control, but the activities that I do control, like my marketing, my podcasts that I do, the amount of social media posts that I make or emails that I send to my newsletter, those are the little triggers that will lead to someone messaging me, which lead to house showings, which lead to offers, which lead to executed contracts. So those are all things on my scorecard that I track and they all have different weights, you know, like our conversation here would be two points on my scorecard for connecting with a podcaster and being on another show or having a guest on my show. And then a social media post may only be worth one because yeah, I put a little motivational quote on my Facebook, but like, is it going to bring me a lead to tomorrow? Probably not. So how many points a day should you get five in total? Yes. For me, I'm trying to get five a day. And sometimes I've played with the weight because, okay. you know, I'll get 14 on one day and I'm like, man, I killed it. I got an executed contract. I had some people look at houses and I did three podcasts. So it really just varies. Varies, But at least you want to get, and you, you put different markers that's going to improve your life, right? Yes. Yes. And sometimes I'm checking with my business coach. Hey, these are the things that I'm measuring. Are these even the right things? Am I focusing on the wrong stuff? But I have it very visual where it'll be red. If it's yeah. anything less than five, it's red. I have like conditional formatting. If anyone's an Excel nerd out there, as soon as it hits five or above, it turns to green. So I can visually see I hit my goals or man, I need one more point. Let me just send an email to my list. Okay, cool. I got two points more. And how has this helped you in your life? This has been extremely helpful tracking everything because I can see how are my results. If I'm not making the money I was making before, or if I'm making way more than I was before, what am I doing differently? And being able to actually look back and look at the points on my scorecard, what are the activities that I did? I, it's not a guessing game. It's not like, oh, I don't know how the market was or whatever. Like, what are the activities that I'm doing? And I even have journals going back as far as four years. So you ask me what I did on February 5th, 2018, I can go pull up that journal and say, here was my journal that morning and here's my journal today. So having that level of clarity, you don't have to even guess anymore. You can just hit control F and actually find it. I do it all in Google Docs. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Cool. And I, I guess if people go to chrisbello.com, they'll be able to find that stuff. Yeah. So the scorecard I actually give away for free. If anyone is interested, if you go to chrisbello.com slash free, that will take you to the scorecard, which I kind of have just named the complete life tracker. 
because I literally, I use it daily. I update it throughout the day. I track how many pages I read, how many times I work out. So it's also personal development, not just your business goals. Love it. And a question though, for me, that's tracking so much and I'm so goal oriented. Sometimes I feel a little bit boring and it, it feels like all my life like a is, is, is a checklist, you know, <laughs> can you just talk to that? And just so people that uh, kind of feel the same way, what, what, how can you, how can you do that differently? Yeah, that's a good question. I think about the Peter Drucker quote that says, what gets measured gets managed. You can't improve things that you're not tracking. So that's why I've kind of taken it to that overkill level, right? Where I put a one, I put a one or a zero, either I did it or I didn't. And then it tallies it all up, but yeah. it actually doesn't take as much time for anyone who's concerned or overwhelmed. It doesn't take as much time as you think you just do your morning routine. I do the miracle morning. If you've ever read that book by Hal Elrod, very good book. And literally I just check off. Okay. One, I did a morning routine. One, I meditated this morning. One, I'm about to go to the gym and I'm going to do chest and triceps. And then I read from page 50 to page 75 of whatever book that I'm reading. And I put the book there too. So I can easily, it seems like a lot of work, but I'll, I'll sell people on the idea by how cool it is when you can look back and you're like, which books did I read this year? I don't have to go guess. I just filter for all the books that I read this year. And I'm like, oh, I read this one. I read Relentless by Tim Grover. I read, you know, Four Hour Workweek for the third time. I can see that information. Yeah. And so it's no longer a guessing game. And again, if you don't know what you're doing, you're not sure how the results are going to be. I want to know what are the inputs to get the desired outputs. So right. it's, it really doesn't take very much time. It's just part of the morning routine. And then maybe I update something at the end of the day if I did an extra activity. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And and having the way that I've started measuring has given me so much better results in, in my life. It's also yeah. exciting to go back. It gives you confidence that you can do stuff. And uh, so, so yeah, I highly encourage that. Uh, I have uh, one final question for you, Chris. Uh, so what's one thing that I should have asked you that I didn't? <laughs> I, I was like, I feel like you're going to ask that question. <laughs> it's a darn good question. It's such a good question, right? So I, I pride myself on automation, delegation, productivity. I'm kind of a productivity nut and I do track a lot of things. I love Excel. So I guess the thing that I would share that you didn't ask is just how do you stay on top of it all? Having your processes and your systems all dialed in, using checklists for everything, remove the thought. Too many of us rely on memory and we all got a lot of things going on, right? So it's easy to forget where did I put the keys and what did I work out yesterday? I'm not sure what to work out today. You no longer have to think if you're just using a tool like the tracker that we talked about, the scorecard, if you're measuring it, when I look in and I see, okay, yesterday I did chest and triceps, today I'm going to do back and biceps. Because sometimes you forget, you're like, I don't even remember what I worked out yesterday. What am I going to do today? I don't want to do the same thing. So having systems and processes is how you can really get to that next level. And the tool that I use and that I love, I've been using the free version. I, I'm sure I'll eventually upgrade to the premium, but Asana, A-S-A-N-A, -A, it's just a project management checklist. I literally have everything in there from you know, real estate transactions I'm working on to podcast editing. And it just allows you to just put everything on autopilot. I feel like 98% of my job in real estate is done by other people that I assign and delegate tasks to in Asana. So that's kind of the little pro tip that I'd like to share on top of tracking your goals with the scorecard, much like mine or yours. Awesome. Uh, Chris, 
Thanks again for reaching out to me. I'm super excited that we Likewise. met. Uh, I think this is a start of a, a great friendship. I feel like I have a lot to learn from you. So I'm, I'm really, really grateful that we got this opportunity to meet here today and, and share your journey. If people want to talk to you, find out more about you, where, where do they reach out? Yeah, thank you once again for the opportunity, Peter. The best place to find me, if you go to chrisbello.com, B as in boy, E-L-L-O.com, that is my website. And I'm most active on Instagram. I got to post more posts, but I post on my story quite often. Yeah. And my handle there is just chrisbello underscore. So would love to connect, shoot me a DM, you know, tag Peter and I in your story, everyone listening, and let us know that you love this episode or what you learned, or if you're going to use a scorecard, We'd love to hear what your main takeaway was. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone that is still here with us listening. You know, uh, we, we are grateful for your time. And we know in this day and age, 40 minutes to an hour, it's a long time. But yeah. I am all for long format because that's when you dig a little bit deeper. That's where we peel away some of these layers and get a little bit more, you know, back back to the truth back to the core so thanks again if you enjoy this show please give us a review subscribe hit the bell you know it, do something to to show your support this show is all for free uh, but the only request i would have is that you you start helping us because the tribe i'm building it's an incredible tribe with a lot of dreamers and goal setters that are just going after it and thank you for being one of those people and this is the I Love Success Podcast, and I see you guys shortly. Thank you so much.